Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone this morning? Good. Good. You know, I've been, uh, I've been involved in communications for a long time. Uh, I'm thinking about it now. 30, 35, 40 years. And there were a couple of things that, uh, that I learned early on as being a communicator, particularly when you're speaking with groups. And uh, one is, one is never follow a kid on stage. Uh, don't have your presentation right after lunch. And I'm gonna add one more after this morning. Don't follow North Central's worship team. <laughs> uh, talk about intimidation, but I am, I am so happy to be here uh, with you all this morning and so appreciative that you've taken the time to spend a few minutes uh, with me. Such an honor to be here. Um, today, I'd like to talk to you about service and leadership. Um, I've been with the NCAA 17 years now. I spent 26 years uh, on active duty in the United States Air Force. And so um, I've been exposed to a lot of requirements for service and a lot of requirements for leadership, and I've learned a lot along the way. Before I begin, I have to note uh, the leadership, courage, and grace of North Central in hosting the George Floyd Memorial Service in June of 2020. It was then and still is now a difficult and polarizing time for our country. And leading in such a polarizing time takes real courage and conviction. And I'm here to say thank you for that. I watched it on TV like millions of people around the world. And I remain proud of this university and the role it played in demonstrating service and leadership globally. And you didn't stop there. The establishment of the George Floyd Scholarship Fund provided the catalyst for scholarship funds supporting underserved students across America. You talk about leading with impact. That's exactly what that is. So when my pastor and my friend and my brother and your board member, Ron Bontrager, reached out to me about coming to speak at chapel, I have to admit I was somewhat surprised and more than a little bit intimidated. You see, I'm not a preacher or a preacher's kid or a theologian, or an evangelist. I'm not even a, a motivational speaker. I'm just an imperfect, broken guy trying to be a good Christian in a tough world and doing my best to lead others in the process. But by the grace of God, I've had a modicum of success 
first with a 26-year career as an Air Force officer, and for the last 17 years as an NCAA executive. Over the next few minutes, I'd like to share with you what I've learned about service and leadership in this secular, sometimes unforgiving world. But first, some background on me. I grew up in a middle-class family. We, we had a comfortable home, you know, white picket fence, whole nine yards. You know, my dad was a high school teacher. My mom worked in insurance. I was raised in the church. Now, you got to remember, this was the 1960s, long time ago. And it was, quote, unquote, an integrated church, which really translated to the fact that I was, that our family was one of three African-American families in this very, very large church, okay? And not everybody wanted us there, okay? I was fortunate for the religious foundation that that church provided. But it came with a very heavy price in the form of racism. In fact, the first time I ever remember being called the N-word was in church, Sunday school. I suppose I didn't react in a very Christian way, okay, but I was seven. Didn't end there. Um, I remember vividly when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated and some of the commentary from the church leaders that went something like, that rabble-rouser got exactly what he deserved. And it's about time someone took care of that. Also, my dad, who had the most beautiful baritone voice I had ever heard, wanted to join the church choir and he had to be voted in. Nobody else ever had to be voted in, but he had to be voted in. Not to mention that he could outsing anyone in that choir. So, you know, there was a price to pay. I was living that old adage that church would be great if it wasn't for some of the Christians, okay? I walked away from church at 16 years old, vowing never to come back. And I stayed away for over 20 years. I stayed away from church, but not my faith. Okay? Put a pin in that 20-year absence, because I'm going to come back to that later. Okay? So diversity and belonging has always been very, very important to me. Uh, in many ways, 
it was a forced environment in my military experience because that's just the way it was in the military. And anyone who's ever served understands that. But fast forward when I retire from the military and I get the job with the NCAA and I move to Indianapolis. And so I wanted to find a home church. And I did what any other uh, reasonable person would do. I got on Google and I typed in multicultural diverse church Indianapolis. And the first entry that came up was a church called Lakeview. And I went on their website and I read their mission statement and it talked about multicultural experiences and the need to have everyone come together. So I decided, hey, that's the place for me. So that next Sunday, I march into Lakeview Church and it's a great service, wonderful service, very moving. But there wasn't a whole lot of people that looked like me at the time. And, and, and it just so happened that as I was walking out of the service, my pastor, Ron Bontrager, the lead pastor there, stops me and introduces himself and welcomes me to Lakeview. And he wanted to know how I, how I got to Lakeview. And I told him. And I said, your mission statement says this, but I don't see it. And uh, he's a very persuasive guy, by the way, because <laughs> he persuaded me to come here and, and, and be intimidated. And I'm here. And he looked at me with those twinkling eyes of his, and he said, well, you're here. You need to help me. You need to help me get to that mission. That was 14 years ago. Fast forward to this past Sunday for the Easter service. Fabulous service. His son Drew preached a phenomenal message. And I looked around and it fulfilled what he told me that Sunday, 15 years earlier. The service at Lakeview looked like heaven. So it can be done, but it takes leadership, it takes commitment, it takes courage. And he'll tell you it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. And I know it wasn't easy. I know some of the stories. I know some of the things that were said to me. But he stuck to it. And that's a leader right there. So let me get on with my speech because I've kind of gone off the rails here. So following college, I had the, as I mentioned before, I had the honor and the privilege of serving in the U.S. Air Force. I joined with the singular goal of buying a new car. That, that's, that's pretty shallow, okay? But, you know, I was a 21-year-old shallow kid. I went to officer's training school, and that transformed this shallow kid into a focused officer who understood the value, virtue, and importance of service and leadership. My next 25 years was a service and leadership lab every single day. I learned every single day. This lab provided constant challenges, learnings, 
and rewards. Because even though it gets tough, there is a reward. It was also very difficult, physically, emotionally, hard on my family, but I'd do it all over again. My experiences showed me the very best of mankind and the very worst of mankind. From delivering food and medicine to hungry people and people in need, to witnessing the evils of genocide in Rwanda and Bosnia. I also learned the importance of leadership from great leaders that I would follow into combat. And also some lessons from some not so great leaders who embodied what not to do as a leader. And there's value there too. So I'd like to share some of these learnings with you today. First, you have to learn to follow before you can lead. Good followership is often overlooked. Only when you learn to follow can you turn those experiences into lessons that will help you lead. And the military model really highlights that. Because in the military, it doesn't make a difference what your background is, what your mommy and daddy did, whether you were valedictorian of your high school class or not. When you join the military, everybody's treated the same way. You're broken down, and then you're built back up. Everybody starts in the same place. Okay. Second, you need to model leadership 24-7. So what does that mean? It means leadership is leading in all directions. You lead up. You lead to your peers. And you lead those organizationally who might be below you. But you never know who's watching and the impact that you might have. I mentioned earlier leaving the church for 25 years. Let me tell you about a leader that brought me back. I was deployed to Tuzla, Bosnia. It was the Christmas of 1995. It was cold, it was snowy, then it would rain, then everything would turn to mud, then it would snow again. No hot meals. Um, half the time we didn't have hot water. And we were eating MREs, which if you get hungry enough, they're, they're pretty good, if you get hungry enough. Um, and we were missing our families. And it's Christmas Eve. And the chapel decided to throw us a party. And I don't know where they did it, but God works in mysterious ways because they found hot chocolate and cookies. I don't know how they did it. But we're at the chapel and we're, you know, guzzling the hot chocolate and eating the cookies. And, and one thing that you need to know about the American military, we're the best fighting force in the world. 
and we're equally adept at complaining, okay? And that's what we were doing. This Christmas party turned into a pity party. We were all just complaining and complaining and complaining. Until a sergeant stood up, sergeant, you know, I'm an officer, fairly senior at that point, but there's all ranks. And she had a message for us. And she said, you got it all wrong. Christmas is about giving. We've bought peace for the first time in many of these children's lives here in Bosnia. No one is trying to kill them at Christmas. So stop complaining and look at how God has chosen you to bring peace. Stop complaining and appreciate how God has chosen you to bring peace. That night, while we went outside the wire, I looked in the eyes of those kids in the street, same age as my own son, safely back in Germany, and I saw hope in their eyes. And I knew that I needed to be back in the church. Six years later, on September 11th, 2001, I was working at the Pentagon. I was coming back into the building from a morning meeting earlier in another government office building. And I witnessed American Airlines Flight 77 slam into my building. Just like about everyone else on that, that day changed my life. And it also ignited a sense of hatred and revenge in my heart that I, will, that I have never experienced before. It consumed me for several years. I think they have a name for it. There's some sort of acronym for that. Let me be clear, I wasn't consumed with hate for my Muslim brothers and sisters because they had their religion hijacked that day. I was consumed with hate for those terrorists that did that and those other terrorists that were still out there. Through the grace of God and the support from the church, I was able to eventually come to grips with my hate and let it go because it was slowly killing me. I could not have done that on my own. And that sergeant probably doesn't realize how impactful her words were on that cold Christmas Eve in Bosnia many years ago. And she probably didn't realize that she was modeling leadership for a senior officer. Third, leaders solve problems not create problems. Are you a problem solver or are you a problem creator? That's the question you need to ask yourself. When I engage with students, and I do it all over the country, all members of the NCAA, I get asked, what I look for in a potential job candidate? Because, you know, you're in college and someday you're 
going to graduate and you need to find a job, right? So I get asked, what do you look for? And I'll, I'll, be, I'll be brutally honest this morning. I don't care about what school you went to. I don't care about your GPA. I don't care about your honors. Sorry, academic staff. You know, I'll apologize right now. I hire and I promote problem solvers. And I can get that out of an interview. I usually know within minutes what this person's all about. So focus on being a problem solver, not a problem creator. Fourth, as a leader, your most important job is to build the next leader. Sometimes that happens organically. Remember, you can impact and shape without knowing it, like that sergeant did with me. But you also need to be deliberate. You need to encourage, you need to develop and mentor those that come after you. So I had a very trying um, experience in the NCAA years back with, with, a, uh, with a school that had a sexual misconduct uh, scandal, the Jerry Sandusky scandal. And when our Board of Governors decided to move forward with sanctions, all of my senior staff was gone. And the result was that those staff members that were left behind stepped up. And they filled the void. Some of them are now directors on my senior staff. And I told my senior staff when they came back how proud I was of them during this. And they said, what are you talking about? I wasn't even there. And I said, yeah, but you trained those that were. And they performed magnificently. So <clears throat> I've spent the majority of my adult life in service to others in one form or another. another. Service can be tough, especially in the military. My last business trip in the military, it's called a TDY, you know, because we have acronyms for everything, stands for temporary duty. Uh, because of bad weather, my flight was diverted to another airport from the one that I left where my car was. One of the, one of the perks of being a full colonel is that they'll actually send someone to pick you up so you don't have to figure out how to get to where you need to go. And, this young man from, from the transportation squadron came to the airport to pick me up to bring me to the other airport where my car was, which was about 30, 45 minutes away. I struck up a conversation with him. His name was Senior Airman John Chegway. He was a 22-year-old kid from Kenya serving in the United States Air Force. I asked what motivated him to join the Air Force. And he told me that he had worked at the embassy in Nairobi when it was bombed. Both he worked there, his mom and his dad worked there. Um, and he said that he knew once he experienced that, that he needed to serve the United States because the United States was the greatest country on earth.
He enlisted, became a transportation specialist, and was deployed to Iraq as a convoy driver. And the way it worked with the convoys, you were deployed for 179 days, and every other day you were on convoy duty. So every other day, for two to three hours, he would drive one of the convoy trucks while his partner was up in the, in the gun on top. Literally, he was driving as fast as he could, and the gunner was looking for anything that moved and threatened him. They'd drop off their load, and they'd do the same thing back, and he did that every other day for 178 days. On his last mission, uh, on the way back, he was driving, and his truck hit an IED. His partner up in the turret gun was killed. He ended up uh, seriously wounded in the hospital for months in a coma. The military flew his mom from Kenya back stateside to be with him because they weren't sure he was going to survive. He not only survived, he fought to get back on active duty. His goal was to get back on active duty and serve. And I had the honor of meeting this young hero on literally one of my last days of active duty. John was the epitome of service. He modeled leadership to this retiring colonel, and I will never forget him or his service. This country needs leaders like Senior Airman John Chagway. And we need leaders like you. My generation has made America a much better country than what it was. But it's far from perfect. And I hate to admit it, but I think my generation has gone about as far as it can go. Some express doubts, and you'll hear them, about your generation. I believe the exact opposite. I believe you will be the generation that ensures America fulfills its promise to all citizens for a fair and just society. So in closing, good luck and Godspeed. I know you're gonna change the world. And thank you for your time this morning.